Los Angeles Chargers star receiver Keenan Allen has been placed on the COVID-19 list. What does that mean for Justin Herbert this weekend going up against the New York Giants? Could he still play in the game? And also, was Joe Burrow really better than Justin Herbert in that game? You are locked on Chargers. Your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Lockdown Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Drogmeyer, and we've been covering the Chargers for over five seasons, doing our own Facebook Live show to start Chargers Domination Live. Now this is our fourth season as the host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What is up, guys? Welcome into the show. A lot of great stuff to get into, including Keenan Allen being placed on the COVID list, but Brandon Staley seeming like he felt good about potentially him coming back in the next few days is the kind of the way he made it seem. So we'll talk about that and what it means for Justin Herbert. If he isn't going to be able to go and who has to step up in his place, but we'll also get into our what went right, what went wrong on today's show, and definitely some things in segment two and what went wrong to get into because there's some things Chargers will have to do better, you know, including not, you know, give up 22 unanswered points, obviously. And at the end, we'll talk about Justin Herbert versus Joe Burrow. Obviously, a lot of talk about that. Who had the better day on Sunday? We'll give our takes on that to wrap up the show. But today's episode is brought to you by On Location. On Location is the official hospitality partner of the NFL and is the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl On Location. All right, guys. Well, Keenan Allen, David, this is obviously the Chargers' number one receiver. He's continually underrated, right, or every time he gets talked about, he's not given enough respect most of the time. But it seems like it's catching up a little bit. Either way, one of the main things he does is get first downs for the Chargers. And he's been so important to them. Last game, he's coming off of with two touchdowns. But Brandon Staley's wording on it kind of made it seem like he could potentially be back. He said, hopefully we get you know good news in the next couple of days. He would still be a huge loss for the Chargers this weekend against the Giants, no matter what you think of the Giants, if he isn't able to go. Yeah, I mean, you want your number one guy to be out there. Keenan Allen has 124 targets this season, so Justin Herbert is looking for Keenan Allen all over the field, and for good reason. Keenan Allen is always open. I mean, if you ask him, he's open. It's open season for Keenan Allen uh, whenever he's on the football field. But if he can't go out there, then that's going to mean, you know, a more of a focus for Mike Williams, and Mike Williams is going to have to go out there and be that number one guy. Yeah, I'm sure he fashions himself as that number one guy, so he will have that opportunity to go out there and continue to prove it and build off of a good game that he had against the Bengals, uh, five catches over 100 yards and a couple of, of long bombs as well. Uh, but also, you're going to need some other guys to step up as well, Daniel. It's not just going to be the Mike Williams show. It's not. I mean, it has to be Jalen Guyton coming off of, you know, one of his best games of his career so far, his best game of the season for sure, and probably more of the rookie Josh Palmer, who has looked really good in a very limited capacity. But yeah, Mike Williams is going to have to step up. You also wonder if they're going to go to a more tight end central package as far as their offensive game plan, which is something we've seen them do before, right? Get more of Steven Anderson, Donald Parham out in space more play action, hopefully running the ball much better in Keenan Allen's absence would really help the Chargers offense. But it does just make me wonder how it will affect Justin Herbert just because it is the main third down target, the guy who, when you need a play on fourth and goal on the first drive of the Bengals game, it goes to Keenan Allen for a touchdown. So he's just so big. And I think for Justin Herbert, he just has the most confidence out of Keenan Allen, obviously, out of all of his receivers. So that's the one thing that I wonder is just how much is this going to affect Justin Herbert if Keenan Allen isn't able to go 
right? Because I do think that will be something he'll have to overcome. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, like I said before, he's always looking for Keenan Allen because Keenan Allen is seemingly always open. But that means that he's probably going to look at more of Austin Eckler as well. I mean, Austin Eckler is that other big playmaker who always is seemingly open as well. So more Eckler, more the tight ends. I think we didn't see enough of Donald Parham and Jared Cook involved in the game plan. So obviously, if Keenan Allen is not able to go out there, then you have to throw the ball to those guys more often. And I'm sure uh, Donald Parham and Jared Cook wouldn't mind getting some more receptions uh, because, hey, those guys make plays when they give are given opportunities. Yeah, and I'm, I'd be excited to see, you know, what Josh Palmer would look like in an expanded role, right, and what the Chargers offense would look like trying to evolve into something different and kind of change the way they play a little bit. But I do think that is something that you have to watch going into the weekend. And I definitely disagree with people saying, you know, just give them the week off. It's the Giants. Yeah. I get it. I mean, if there was a week for him to miss, I would agree that this is, a, you know, an ideal week if you're talking about just the strength of your opponent. 100%, I just don't like the but, mindset of that, right? You just, I just don't like the mindset of, of saying, oh, well, you know, we can rest our guys because we've seen the Chargers go into many different situations of games where they absolutely should win on paper and then they go out there and lay an egg because you just you can't have that mentality in the NFL. Every game, you have to go in and you have to win. You have to game plan against your opponent and put your best foot forward. Well, and if he were able to come off of that list before the game, I mean, it would pretty much have to be a false positive test, right? Yeah. Because he'd have to get those 24-hour tests but getting to back-to-back negatives. And when Brandon Staley says a few days, that's what seems like it would fit that timeline, right? It does and seem like that. It, yeah, and this is obviously total speculation. But if you were to come off in a few days, I mean, two of those days he has to test negative, obviously. So that would yeah. be pretty quick because other guys that we've seen, like Drew Tranquil, miss the next game even though he was vaccinated, which Keenan Allen is. Drew, you know, Jerry Tillery, same thing. Wasn't back until the next game after the week that he originally tested positive. And that's a vaccinated guy. I mean, Christian Covington, same thing. So with Keenan Allen, the way it's gone for, I mean, obviously it could be different person to person, right? But it didn't make it seem like it was symptomatic in any ways. And the other thing is, it's not like he's rushing back from an injury, right? I mean, yeah, I'm sure as a veteran, it would be nice, especially going into a Thursday night football game, to be able to give him a little bit of rest. I just don't think the Chargers are a consistent or good enough team to willingly sit out a very healthy Keenan Allen at this point of the season, comparatively speaking, right? So, like, no, and that, and that's the only thing. I mean, I, 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 it is an ideal week. If it were to happen, if it has to happen, I get why this week would work better. But Justin Herbert, obviously, last season had a couple of games without Keenan Allen. They went two and zero. One was you know the Chiefs backups. Another game though, the Raiders game, the I was in game. Keenan Allen missed most of that game. Justin Herbert still found a way to get it done in overtime that day, but. Other guys are obviously going to have to step up, and Justin Herbert's going to, you know, have to continue to raise the play of the players around him, you know, and that's what great players do. They elevate the guys around them, make them better by default, making your team better. And that's something, you know, it seems like he has to have a good game, right, for the Chargers to win right now more than anything. And that's yeah. probably true about a lot of quarterbacks, but I think especially in Justin Herbert's case, the numbers would support, you know, hey, if he's not having a really almost perfect game, the Chargers are going to have a big chance of losing. And that's just, you know, lack of running game and all the other things, holes on He covers up a lot of deficiencies, Daniel. Absolutely. But the Chargers, we saw some of those deficiencies on Sunday against the Bengals. And even in a performance where you win, you know, by three scores, there was still a lot to clean up. So one of the things I have been looking at is just the Chargers droughts, having another drought like they did 
in this past game and obviously turning the ball over. We haven't seen it a ton, especially the fumbles. That definitely played a huge factor in Sunday's game. So we'll talk about that in the next segment and how the Chargers can fix some of those things to get back on track because it was something they were doing a pretty good job of. But the droughts offensively obviously have to stop. But first, I have to tell you guys about Boost Mobile because you listen to podcasts for the power of knowledge and you switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone so you can listen to all the latest episodes of the podcast the power of three unlimited data lines for $30 a month so your family can harness all that brain power too. And the power of one of America's biggest 5G networks so you guys can do it all at the speed of 5G. With all that money that you guys are saving and all that knowledge that you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile and find out. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save with Boost Mobile. Free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage not available everywhere or for all phones and networks. See BoostMobile.com for details. I also need to tell you guys about something really cool, especially since the Super Bowl is in L.A. this year at SoFi Stadium. And that is on location because, guys, it's never too early to start thinking about the Super Bowl, especially when it's going to feel like a home game for the Chargers. Super Bowl 56 at SoFi is less than 100 days away. And on location is the official hospitality partner of the NFL and the only place to score a -a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and an experience package. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star hotels, and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocation.exp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocation.exp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. All right, guys, well, now it's time to get into what we do every week, and that is what went wrong for the Chargers. We like to obviously get this part out of the way and be thankful that we don't have two segments to do of it because that has happened, and it is nice sometimes to vent for two whole segments, but obviously if the Chargers don't have enough (laughs) that goes right for them, you have to do what you got to do. But in this one, David, I mean, there's obviously a lot to get into, and I think it starts with me just with the drought and like letting the Bengals get back into it. It's hard to say that there's any way to frame that as a win. For the Chargers, you have a 24 point lead and there's multiple factors to it. It's not just Justin Herbert didn't play well enough. It's not just that the Chargers, you know, certain players didn't come through. It was the whole team. Austin Eckler, two fumbles, Justin Herbert's interception, eh, but two punt, you know, two drives that end in punts, the whole thing. But all those things separate aren't a big deal, you know, but when you have those things in such a drought over five drives, five drives going between the second and the third quarter, David, and you turn the ball over three times, that's just not a game you're going to win. Yeah, I mean, if you, tune, <laughs> yeah, if, you tuned into you the be- if you tuned into the beginning of the game and the end of the game, you would have thought that the Chargers absolutely dominated the entire thing. But then you turn on in the third quarter and it just absolutely crumbled. Uh, how, how do you have such a commanding lead and then you let it just evaporate before your eyes? Well, it's 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 rolling, not rolling with the punches and, and allowing those things to get to you and them scoring points off of turnovers. I mean, they scored they got two scores off of turnovers in this game. Yeah. And the pass protection just absolutely melted in, in that third quarter, especially. That's where they were getting a lot of pressure on, on Justin Herbert and he was not able to use his athleticism and his mobility to get out of those situations. It was just a recipe for disaster. The Chargers have to do a much better job of game planning against that and continuing to put their foot on the gas and put their foot on the throat and end the football game. Like they had an opportunity in that situation to put the game away definitively, and they didn't. They allowed the opponent to creep almost all the way back, and it took (laughs) a galvanizing moment 
with them stopping you know the Bengals on a two-point conversion from the one-yard line for this game to really swing, swing momentum. And then I think it really didn't even swing and like completely back in the Chargers' favor until Tavon Campbell gets that gift uh, of a fumble recovery and takes it to the end zone. But yes, the Chargers have to do a phenomenal job of avoiding those situations. And I think for me, the, the giveaways is one thing you touched on. Uh, for Austin Eckler, the fumbles, man. I mean, I, I know for 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 Austin, it, he, it's eating him up. And you yeah. know, we never want to talk bad, but we have to be we have to be analytical about this, and we have we have to make sure that we point out that. Austin Eckler needs to protect the football, man. I mean, he, he's got to understand the situations. And, yeah, I mean, the, a couple of those were, were really bad. He was kind of held up and they kind of ripped it out. But, I mean, you got to know that those situations are going to happen. So you got to protect the football. And I think some of that is probably cycling in a few more runners so he's not getting so many touches. He's, he's touched on this as well, saying, hey, you know, I want someone else to come in and kind of give me a break because, you know, Yes, he's one of the pound-for-pound pound strongest guys in the NFL, but he is small in stature, and his body just isn't really built to put up with the rigors of a 17-game season the way it is currently constructed. So the fumbles need need to get cleaned up, but I think we also need some more help for Austin Eckler in the backfield. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's just the most touches he's ever had, right? Yeah. So it's like you don't know. You're in a dangerous area with him because – He's in uncharted waters right now. So I think for him, it's obviously, yeah, the lack of an RB2 stepping up has obviously hurt them. The fact that they rely on him so much in the receiving game is just giving him more touches, more chances to fumble. One was, you know, two steps after he caught the ball and got hit pretty hard. He almost fumbled a third time, I think, which is the other kind of worrisome thing, you know. Yeah. He had the one that ended up not getting called a fumble, but it was pretty close and one that might have not been was called one. So, I mean, it's one of those things where you just can't put it on the ground. And you saw Brandon Staley late in the game getting very upset when Jalen Guyton tried to reach a ball over the goal line, right? And try yes. to do that. And he was, you don't see him on the sideline. He's pretty stoic normally, right? Yeah. But he, he was definitely ripping Jalen Guyton. He was fired up. Yeah. And I mean, I, and I don't know if he thought it was a fumble or it's just like, you know, obviously just the principle of, hey, don't put the ball in danger. We've already had two well, fumbles. Well, yeah, it's like in this you're game. in the red zone. Just, just like, just fall to the ground. Like, don't, yeah. don't, don't be reckless. Don't just cough up the ball in a situation to where, and Brandon Silly said it in the press conference afterwards, like you have Austin Eckler, you can get in the end zone from the one yard line. You have a very high confidence level that you're going to be able to score. So don't do that. No. Yeah. I mean, that's just a good rule of thumb anyways. I mean, unless it's a fourth and goal situation, I got to have it situation. To, yeah. And it makes me kind of sick. Expiring, that's a, whatever, an Anthony you know? Lynn, uh, Anthony Lynnism right there. But yeah, I mean, you don't reach over the, the, the goal line. Unless you absolutely have to. And that wasn't one of those situations, no. right? I mean, they would have had first and goal on the one-yard line or did, you know. So that wasn't really something you want to see. But the fumbles, obviously, they had had pretty good fumble luck. And obviously, it looks worse on, you know, Austin Eckler when he's taking more than the lion's share of the carries. I mean, he's just yeah. the only dude for them right now. But I think the other thing, too, part of those drives was, I mean, a couple of drives just giving up big-time pressure. Again, you know, Justin Herbert had two drives where he sacked on multiple plays in a row. A couple of them, maybe he could get out, you know, if he's a little bit better, more on time, maybe he gets out. But I think part of it, too, was him not trying to put the ball in danger. You know, getting ready to throw with a guy coming around the corner, not wanting to get the ball knocked out. We'll talk about that in the Joe Burrow-Justin Herbert conversation, because that's another very underrated skill of Justin Herbert. It's like the dude doesn't get stripped, like, ever. 
So yeah. that is something that is, you know, obviously pretty nice. Being and Rashawn six Slater, six, 240 has its benefits. Yeah, but he has a great feel, you know, yeah. and that's one of the underrated things. He does have a great feel in the pocket. But I'd say the other thing, even though they had a couple of plays, the corners, I think, are still an issue. I thought Chris Harris Jr. had a pretty good play and a pretty good game. He had a tough yeah. play on third down on Tyler Boyd on a great throw by Joe Burrow, you know, all the way across the field. Pretty good coverage, but has the feel to get the interception of Joe Burrow and be in the right spot at the right time. Had a missed tackle, but also got in on a couple of tackles. Tavon Campbell and Michael Davis, I'm just I'm still concerned about that duo because Michael Davis, I talked about it yesterday, did have a play where he's breaking up a touchdown in the end zone to T. Higgins. A couple of plays later, it's Chris Harris Jr. getting that interception, right? Who knows? Yeah how it plays out differently but at the same time i mean tavon campbell on the other side still getting beat on big plays i mean michael Six davis of eight for 78 yards yeah i mean yeah. I, I i remember during the game i made a post saying <laughs> they're they're basically playing find tavon campbell in coverage and they sure. were having a lot of success doing that and that's i mean i think in this game the chargers were able to cover it up a lot more effectively because of the pass rush was getting there and that's something We'll talk about in the next segment, I'm sure. But you're not going to be able to get that kind of pressure every single game as no. we've seen this season. So, I mean, Tavon Campbell's just going to have to play better. And we we did, you know, see some whispers that possibly Asante Samuel Jr. will be able to come back, but uh, uh, come back soon. But you, you can't bank on that. Tavon Campbell yeah. just has to be a better. He has to play better football. That's just yeah, it. yeah. And I mean, they just don't really have the reinforcements to even try anyone else out at corner right now with the guys that they have. So it's tough situation. Asante Samuel Jr. helps all of that so much. But even Michael Davis, like, just big plays giving up. The T. Higgins play, I mean, that's kind of him and his ear out but he's beat on that. Yeah, He has an interception, but it actually comes on a play that he gets beat deep by mm-hmm. Jamar Chase, which I'm still not sure he doesn't make the tackle there. I mean, I've watched it a few times now. He was pretty close to him he would at least had a chance at a tackle there yeah michael davis is fast too i mean let's not forget the guy runs a four three i mean he's he's huge but he's got some speed yes i mean there are some things the chargers have to you know work on for sure but a lot of it came just in that one stretch right there where it's like pressure getting to justin herbert turning the ball over setting your defense up in bad situations like that is most of what went wrong on sunday and the only thing that let the Bengals get back into the game because for the rest of the game they shut him out after they got to that, you know, to those 22 points. You get an interception, you force a fumble, make the big plays down the stretch. And that's why it's so exciting that we have defensive things to talk about in what went right, right? And that's not yes. a given after every show, but the Chargers defense, 27 pressures without Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa had played nine snaps, didn't even register a pressure. The rest of those guys deserve a big shout out. And I do want to talk a little bit about this old Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert situation, even to. though. I mean, Everybody's talking about it. Dan Orlovsky watched the tape like an hour after the game. So, I mean, something has to be done to, to settle the debate. So, we'll I'm get into still, that. I'm still waiting for that video uh, explaining why you think that, Dan. So, I'll, I'll be looking out for that. The biggest thing is just by a lot, right? Like yeah. that, that it was what? a wide discrepancy with what we saw. But, hey, we'll that's where that went right. Because soon. Justin Herbert definitely had a great game. We'll talk about some of the best throws of his season and of the game. Coming up after this with what went right. But I do need to tell you guys about Beachbound because in life, we're all bound for different things. With Beachbound.com vacation, you can be bound for adventure, bound for passion, bound for discovery, or bound for togetherness. You can be bound for immersion, bound for rejuvenation, or you may be bound for encountering the unexpected. Personally, when I'm at a beach resort, I'm bound to end up at a poolside bar, maybe creating my own taco flight. 
As long as I've got a good view and a good drink in my hand, I'll be as happy as can be. With Beachbound.com, you can find the perfect vacation that you're looking for, no matter what. All right, David, well, it's time to get into what went right for the Chargers, and it's nice to have a good, you know, healthy amount of things to talk about there because obviously it starts with the Chargers offense and just getting back to those explosive plays, and it's obviously led by Justin Herbert making some big-time throws, pun intended, in this game, and I think that's something that we have missed so much from the offense, and they decided they're just going to take some shots, and I think when you have Mike Williams, and that's his biggest skill, as much as sometimes it could put him in harm's way, like that's the way he's going to make big plays the most is by doing what the Chargers did. And, I mean, it's not like they were sprawling catches. He was staying upright for the most part. It wasn't hitting the ground super hard or anything. But four 40-plus yard plays in the first half on your way to a 24-0 start, getting a fast start, David, that was all super huge to see from the Chargers coming up and coming out against a good defense. It was paramount. Uh, that's why I stressed it so much last, uh, last week leading up to this game. The Chargers are such just a much better football team when they get off to a good start and get into a good offensive rhythm. And you saw the impact it had on this game. The Chargers get out to a commanding 24 to nothing lead, and it, and it really forces the Bengals to change their entire game plan and, and try to have to play from behind. And no team in the NFL is comfortable when they're having to try to, to play from behind. So the Chargers, you know, like you said, really accessing the deep part of the field with great effectiveness. You know, Guyton with the 44-yard touchdown and a very physical catch for him. Yeah, Justin Herbert, you know, really, you know, excelling with those type of throws. Five to seven, 188 yards and a touchdown on those throws that traveled 20-plus yards, according to PFF. He was really on fire. I'm really happy that they uh, opened up that part of the game. Also want to highlight the RPOs as well. The Chargers really utilized the RPOs to great effectiveness in this game. They get a touchdown to Keenan Allen. They get a big explosive play to Jalen Guyton on that 30-plus yard reception, which you know it seems like every time Herbert rolls out and hits somebody in the seam, it goes for a big play on those RPOs. So those need to be a stable of the offense going forward, and the Chargers really use it to great effectiveness in this game. Yeah, it just opened up wide open passing windows for Justin Herbert, right? Especially with his height. Guys, even unblocked off the edge, you know, are, it's tough to still stop him, even when you're getting a free run at him when you're doing things quickly, right? When you're not yeah. doing it quickly, then it's a legal man downfield. Things don't work out. So that's what it has to look like for the Chargers to have success doing it. And they set it up using, you know, the RPOs and actually running the ball earlier in the game. Didn't have a lot of success, but then when you see the results that happen, you know, and the fruit they get from that later, it's like, okay, well, yeah, you see them setting it up. Great play design and getting wide open throwing lanes in big moments for the Chargers. But Keenan Allen, obviously, both those touchdowns, nice, good routes. Had another couple of good plays as well. Talk about ratio there, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, especially for him. I mean, five catches a lot for most people, but I mean, for Keenan Allen, that's just like uh, half sometimes. That's before. very pedestrian. Um, but yeah, when you but the two the touchdowns, two I'm sure, are making him feel a lot better about the the lack of receptions in this one. I think he'd trade a few, uh, given what the ratio is right now between the things. But Jalen Guyton deserves a big shout out because yes. having that physical catch in the end zone was huge. Obviously, getting just having that game where he showed up as the Chargers wide receiver three when they needed somebody to step up as the wide receiver three getting big first downs, getting that touchdown through up defensive pass interference. Shout out to Jalen Guyton. But the stars of this game, David, were on the Chargers defense and young guys getting through. I mean, especially I'll talk about one specific Chargers edge defender who impressed me on Sunday, but Uchenin Wosu 
having another really good game, making things a little, you know, less certain towards the end of the season as his contract is going to have to come up. Another really good game for him, his first multi-sack game of his career. We, we mean, might have to start changing the name of the strip sack to, uh, you know, something around Uchenna and Wilson's name. It's, it's so close. pretty when he gets it. It's getting close, man. I yeah. love it. Love When, when I he comes it. around that corner, I mean, he has just such a knack for doing that. And we got to see it more consistently in the game here, which still doesn't make any sense because you'd think you would be doing that more when you have Joey Bosa on the other side of you, but I'm not here to argue he's about that. He's getting better, though. He, yeah. If you put on the tape, you you can see it. He's getting closer. He's getting after the quarterback more effectively. And Brandon Stilley said that Uchenna Nwosu is a player they feel, really feel strongly is built specifically for their defensive scheme. And that's starting to manifest itself and show itself as we creep on closer to the end of the season. Well, it's just hard to understand. I know it's a banged up Cincinnati offensive line, but the Chargers have played many bad offensive lines, and it doesn't exactly. look like that. And that's with Joey Bosa. So I think that's just such a statement for these dudes. And I mean, I thought it was a great call by Brandon Staley holding Joey Bosa out yes. with the head injury, you know, even though he was cleared of the concussion. But for those guys, for Chenin Wosu to have seven pressures and two sacks, Drew Tranquil getting involved, Chris Rumpf getting involved, Justin Jones getting involved. I mean, Derwin James is an absolute menace coming off of the edge. Like, oh my that God. Dude blitzing is, is wild. The double safety blitz. That's the other thing, too, David. Brandon Staley, <sighs> knowing you don't have Joey Bosa in finding the right schemes, blitzing, getting more aggressive. Like, he didn't lay down when things got tough in the second half. You started seeing him get more creative. And yeah. I mean, it looked like whatever he was doing, the stunts, all the games they were playing, it worked. And I think that he deserves a big shout out for that. No question. I mean, one thing I would have been like, why didn't you do this with Joey Bosa in the lineup as well? I mean, it could have been that much more effective. Well, and they do try some of that stuff, yeah. But why today did it work so much better than the other times when you have your best guy? Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, can we see Derwin rush more, please? I mean, the guy is absolutely an animal. He is such a freak. He is so fast. He's so agile. Like. It's it's just it's hard to even like hit a hot route. Like even if you yeah. know he's coming, like he gets there so quick. And good job to Zero Adderley too. You know he had a, you know an assist on that one and smoked yes. Joe Burrow another time on yeah. that blitz. You tweeted about that oh, where man. he it ended up being a first down conversion on third down. But Joe Burrow he felt made, it. he made him earn it. He yeah. he smacked him on that one. But yeah, Derwin James is a freak. I mean, he took his game to another level recently. It seems like I mean the last few games. The dude's just been playing at another level, and he was already solid, right? He did have one where he got his absolute ankles broken by Tyler Boyd on like a 30-plus yard yeah. run. And that you do not – it was just surprising because you do not see that happen to Derwin James. Like, he Ever. was left in the dust. And, I mean, it was a good play by Tyler Boyd, who's a good receiver. But it's not even just those guys doing that in the pass rush game, David. It's also the run defense, which the yes. Chargers aren't the worst rush defense in the league anymore. And Say it again, Daniel. Say it again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's – it was a lot to overcome. <laughs> I'll say that. I mean, the Chargers had a lot of ground to gain because they were not last by a little bit. <laughs> they were last <laughs> by a lot. By a but wide yes, margin. The run defense really shined in this game. They held one of the premier running backs in the league to 19 carries, 54 yards, yep. and only 2.8 yards per carry, and 1.10 yards after contact as well. So they were not really letting him get away. Only Effort. one, only one run of ten plus uh, ten plus yards the entire game. The interior pressure, the effort uh, was much much better. The physicality was where you needed to be. Like I said before, they took it personally in this game. They showed up 
Uh, and I really, it, this performance right here, I think it, it's showing that the, this Chargers defense, this Chargers running defense is really turning a positive corner. Yeah, especially without Linval Joseph. And I think the big thing now is Justin Jones and how quickly he can get back. Staley yeah. didn't seem super worried about it. said he'd be a limited participant in practice this week. So that's good news. I mean, yeah, he it said means knee and ankle sprain. So. Knee and an ankle injury. It's a, if he gets five more injuries, he'll be out there with Joey Bosa yeah. for the record of most in one week. But, David, it's time to talk about the big thing, and that is Joe Burrow versus Justin Herbert. And let me preface this by saying that I thought both had pretty good games in a lot of moments, right? And I yeah. think that both made some really tough throws that you don't see a lot of second-year quarterbacks making. But for Dan Orlovsky to come out there and say tape, tape, tape after the game and say that Justin Herbert was outplayed by Joe Burrow by a lot. Really? Quickly. It's quickbait. And, like, the only meaningful number that anyone can bring to my attention that says that Justin Herbert it wasn't as good as Joe Burrow on Sunday was pro football focus grades, which are subjective. And like, yeah, they have good stats, but as far as just raw stats, stats. we use a lot, you know. But as far as pro football focus grades, I mean, look at their grades on Kazir White, and everyone knows Chargers fans what he's meant to the Chargers defense, right? And they yeah. do not grade him very well. But that's it. I mean, you look at EPA, QBR, passer rating, completion percentage, like everything is in Justin Herbert's favor, right? And just... I, I hate people saying that it's jump balls that he's throwing as if those weren't ridiculously hard throws that he had in that game. And I saw some were one big time throw. He had three big time throws on the first drive. Like, yeah, that, that's on. ridiculous. I mean, the third and nine to Keenan Allen where he's running left and throws it back across his body to pick up that third and nine yeah, on the very first drive. That, uh, uh, like exchange from Mina Kimes where Mina Kimes was like, how, science, how, how the hell did that happen? Yeah, no, it's because sure. Justin Herbert can make throws that other quarterbacks can't make, including Joe Burrow. Yeah, and it's just one of those things where, I mean, they they both can be good, and Joe Burrow had a lot of really good throws. I mean, the Jamar Chase drop. He's tough as hell, too. Throw. He's tough as hell. Nothing but respect for, for Joe, Joe Burrow. No, right? oh, yeah. No, I mean, for sure. I mean, he played through. Obviously, he was injured. His offensive line was awful in front of him. But if you're looking at big throws, I mean, he had the Jamar Chase drop, great throw. T. Higgins touchdown, pretty good throw. good throw. I mean, into double coverage, but he had him beat, obviously. That Tyler Boyd play, laying it out towards the left side, far hash was great. Another third and long he had where he made a really good throw to T. Higgins as well. So he had a handful of great throws for sure. Justin Herbert <laughs> did as well. First drive, third and nine. The 41-yard throw to Mike Williams on that first drive. That's a deep ball where the dude's not even creating any separation, and you still put it where only he can get it and put it right in the breadbasket on the run from yeah. that far away. That's huge. On that same drive, fourth and goal, when your team really needs it the most, a super pressure play, he finds Keenan Allen without a window, in between three <laughs> dudes, with absolute ridiculous arm strength, laser which, beams it which in there. Which wasn't even his first read. It wasn't even, uh, I think it was oh, no. his third read. He started on the left side, went right back, and threw an absolute laser, which I think maybe two quarterbacks in the league could have made. Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, maybe even Josh Allen, but I don't think any other quarterbacks in the league would have even attempted a throw like that. No, and I mean, for Joe Burrow's sake, I mean, yes, his numbers look different if he doesn't have a few drops, especially Jamar Chase one. I'm not sure it's a 70-yard touchdown like I talked about before. I think there's a chance he gets tackled there. Either way, it changes things right there. Obviously, the Chargers get the ball back. But I also bring you up a good throw that I thought – Jalen Guyton rolling right, throwing across your body 66 yards for one of the top two completions as far as air yards distance in the NFL 
altogether this season. I mean, it's impossible to say that's not a good throw when the guy ends up being right there and it's not even lofted enough where Jesse Bates can actually get around and do something about it, right? Yeah, it's a little underthrown on the second farthest pass we've seen in the NFL this season. Like the Josh Palmer throw, it's hard to count that against him because it should have been P.I. Defender yeah. got there before and it was maybe a little underthrown. I wish he would have thrown a second earlier. And I well, think not, he not to maybe... mention the throw that hit Donald Parham in the hands. That was the was next like, one I like was going to. 70 yard throw, basically. <laughs> I mean, c- well, come and to on throw now. it that far again with Donald Parham, yeah, it ends up, you know, it doesn't even count as a drop because it's kind of contested. But when you're 6'9, I mean, his hands were the only one that's on it. But to make that throw downfield on third down to put it where only your six foot nine tight end can get it at that part of the field, I mean, that's a ridiculous throw. So as much as I like Joe Burrow, and I really do think he's going to be a really, really good quarterback, Same. this one game doesn't decide who's better between the two of them at all. But, at all. you know, when two was winning last year, it's QB wins are a stat, right, against Justin Herbert, who couldn't win right. a game for a long time with it. You know, bad coach, bad supporting staff at some part of that season, right? And bad this year, game. when Justin Herbert's getting the wins, well, it's wins aren't quarterback stats. It's EPA aren't quarterback stats. It's QBR. Like, the only, literally only place you can find – that says that Joe Burrow statistically was a better quarterback on Sunday than Justin Herbert's pro football focus. That seems flawed by every other metric that we have. And I just think that it's okay to say, you know, Justin Herbert had a, a better game because he didn't throw a pick in the end zone like Joe Burrow did, right? Which absolutely hurt them down 16 with time to score two touchdowns. That ended their game right there. He had a couple other third down misses. Justin Herbert had some misses, but to say that there was a huge gap, I thought was absolutely laughable. So I had to address that, David, because that's just not true at all. It, it's it, it's absolutely asinine to me to 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 ascertain at any point in time that Joe Burrow had a better game than Justin Herbert, or that Joe Burrow has been a better quarterback up to this point than Justin Herbert. That's just not true. Look yeah. at the stats; they are overwhelmingly in Justin Herbert's favor. Even if you take sample size out of it and just Equal sample size from the amount of games. It's not even close. They're two great quarterbacks and Joe Burrow very well get better. He will get better over time. But at this point in time, Justin Herbert is the better quarterback. The numbers back it up. That's it. And and I'm not even saying that like there's a huge gap between them in this game. I mean, because, you know, Burrow had a lot to deal with, you know, but Justin Herbert's offensive line wasn't holding up for a lot of that, too, especially in that draft. Yeah, he got sacked three times, too. For sure. But I mean, Herbert led touchdown drives of 73, 58, 55, and 53. Joe Burrow led touchdown drives of 75, 32, and 19. So like, I just I just don't think that there's anywhere you look that's going to support that because he made plays and ended up losing his team the game with a pick in the end zone and a force, you know, a fumble that Justin Herbert, even though he took a couple sacks, stayed away from that big mistake. And that's something that just has to be counted against you, even with a bad offensive line. That's about pocket presence and those things too. And it was a great play by Chen and Nuosu, but that is all wrapped into it. And I just think Justin Herbert was the better man on Sunday. But we're going along, and that is going to do it for us on today's show. We appreciate you guys checking out the show and making us your first listen. Again, make sure to check out the new Locked On Chargers YouTube channel and subscribe there and follow the show where you can get it anywhere on any podcast platform Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the TuneIn app, the new Odyssey app, and everywhere you can find it. And review if you can as well. We would very much appreciate it. But if you want to find the show, we also post it every day to all of our social media. You can find the show's Twitter at Locked On LAC. You can find the new Instagram page at Locked On Chargers and our Locked On Chargers Facebook page. You can also find me on Twitter at Dan Talk Sports and David Drogmeyer on Twitter at Drotalk SD. But if you guys want to get your voicemails on the show, the number is 323 524 7924. 
Justin Herbert had a better game than Joe Burrow. But for all the latest on the charge, make sure to check back in with us tomorrow. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.